0: Well, tonight, what I want to do is I want to shine a light on three incredible testimonies. And it's a panel tonight, so it's going to be a little bit different, but these are three amazing people. I'm going to introduce them in a minute. But I want you to know that we are going to end our I Am the Light series by taking some of the things we've talked about in this series and even breaking it down to a more practical standpoint of what do these really look like in our lives. So tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety for a few minutes. And how we preached on that for a couple weeks. We're gonna hear some testimonies on anxiety. We're gonna talk about evangelism. And here's some testimonies on evangelism. We're gonna talk about persecution tonight and how we live, like quite literally, have to live differently than the world and how persecution is going to come because of that. So I'm very excited tonight. Now I wanna introduce our three speakers because they are View Veterans and they are fantastic. Up first, I want you to make some noise for Tyler Oliver tonight. Yes, sir. T.O., it's so good to see you, brother my dog right there how you doing Tyler tell them how long you've been married
1: uh three weeks
0: talking to the mic <laughs> three weeks is it working no three there we weeks go. three weeks amen married man come on have a seat glad that you're here he's going to introduce himself in a moment up next make some noise for Kaylee Malone yes oh yes Kaylee Malone is joining us tonight thank you so much Kaylee for being on this you can have a seat and then last but not least make some noise for Jordan Bowman no 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 no, no. yes sir you can grab that right there for me J-Bo That's that's your roommate. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for doing this tonight. You look good. Come on. Yes, sir. Join us. I'm very excited for tonight and I want to jump into it because they have some really, really good stuff to say. We've been praying over tonight. Guys, thank you all so much for joining us. And uh, each one of these guys are in a little bit of a different season of life, which is really cool. Tyler just got married and is celebrating that, of course. Did his honeymoon in Greece, which is incredible. Top that. And uh, T.O., Kind of entering into that new season of life, Kaylee has been serving at the View for a while and is one of our life group teachers on Wednesday night. Is killing the game. The Lord is using her in every way. And then Jordan Bowman is probably besides me. I want to hype myself up here, but besides me, one of the longest standing View members. Uh, me and J-Bow, He's going to share a little bit of his story. But we met in 2016 at University of Memphis, and Jordan started serving at the View when he was in college in 2016. And really, I want to tell you guys. This man right here planted a lot of the foundational blocks for this ministry that you're seeing the Lord bless, his work at campus ministry. Me and Jordan were one of the first two people to start campus ministry for The View, and I'm very proud of that and very excited for that. So I'm glad that Jordan is here tonight, but I wanted them to have a chance to introduce themselves and share a little bit of their story as well. So T.O., man, let me kick it off with you, married man. Share us a little bit about yourself and your story.
1: Yeah, so um, for me, I grew up in the church. Like I'm sure many people here today, we were in the South, Um, but for me... I didn't really like the church as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my first really ex- my first real experience with uh, the idea of salvation came at the age of 11. There was a event called Judgment House, and it was just a play where a group of people would have something really bad happen to them. Half of them would go to heaven, half of them would go to hell. Well, I'd been going to it for a few years, but the age of 11 was my first time stepping foot into the hell scene. Wow. And, I mean, traumatizing um, for a little 11-year-old to see, like, there's a guy, like, yelling at me, and I'm like, ah, I'm just afraid. And then right after, they say, you know, if you don't want to go there, you know, m- pray this prayer. And um, for me, that was what it meant to follow Christ. It meant, man, I don't want to go to that place. I don't want the scary guy yelling at me. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying this prayer. We're good now. Yeah, um, which
0: is so many people's testimonies. Yeah. Yep.
1: and, um, like, and I love that. I love the idea of Judgment House, and I'm not— I'm not here to like say that's a bad idea, but sure. for me, um, it—I had a very poor understanding of the gospel, a poor understanding of sin and of and of hell and heaven, mm-hmm. um, and so I didn't see much purpose in church and any of that. So growing into middle school, um, I didn't have hope. I didn't have that source of hope mm. that a lot of people had in Jesus, yeah. and so I fell into a really hard season of depression, of anxiety. Um, I just. Didn't have a lot of good community. Um, sure. All of my friends were, a lot of my friends were bad influences at school. And so that was me for a long time. Um, I went to school, didn't talk to anybody. I came home, sat in my room. And that was just rinse and repeat. Mm. Um, and it was a very sad life. It was a very hard yeah. season for me. It was a very difficult time. Um, and I ended up switching churches around the age of 15. And when I went there, the youth pastor, he was my, he was my first experience of what it really meant to follow Jesus. Um for him, he sat down with me. He heard my struggles. He heard mm-hmm. where I was, and he didn't see me as a burden. He saw me as a person.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that made a difference. Sure. And it began to really impact the way I lived my life. I began to really I began to be excited about church. Um, and I began to be excited about you know, talking to this guy and talking to other sure. people like him that loved me. Um, and the age of 17, um, I, I hit an all-time low due to some relationship issues, due to some friendship issues. Um, and his name is Jacob. He sat me down. And he was like, "Don't." You, the reason you hit this low is because you put your faith in people. And you mm. can't do that. And he walked mm. me through the gospel. And it was at a summer camp um, in 20, 2017 sure. um, that I, I gave my life to Christ. Um, praise it was God. Right Hallelujah. right before. Yeah, praise, praise God. God. Hallelujah. Um hey
0: listen, man, we like making noise in church, man. man. We like making noise and have fun in church. So listen, we're going to celebrate tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Yeah, so that was the summer right before my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into senior year. I had to make a lot of hard decisions. Um, sure. I cut some friends off that weren't good for me. Um, Which is hard to do. That's it was hard. hard. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 with that being said, you know, that didn't make my depression just magically go away. It didn't make all my problems go away. Um, and I know some people in the room, like, you may have that experience where you you, you have this false this false idea that when you follow Jesus, your issues all vanish. Right. And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. I'm not right. telling Following Jesus does not mean that every wish you have, every issue you have is resolved, mm-hmm. because that's not what that's not what it's there for, right? Jesus isn't here to just fix our be on our every whim, our every beck and call. He's here because mm-hmm. He wants to love you and to have a personal relationship with you, and He wants to deliver you from the big issue in your life, which is your sin.
0: That's right, Amen.
1: Nothing else Amen. ever measures up to the the enemy that is your sin, um, and that was something I had to learn the hard that's way. Good. But. Um, I ended up having to leave that church due to some issues, but um, and I came to Bellevue from a mutual friend. He was in choir with me at school, and he was like, "Man, just come try a Wednesday night. There's no commitment to it. Just come try it out, see what you think." And that led to me eventually coming over here, um, and that was around March of my senior year. So, you know, two months later, I graduated. The next step was college ministry, mm-hmm. and um, so the second week of the summer 2018, I walked into the, the college ministry. And the first person I met was Daniel Harris. <laughs> So uh, he took me around. He introduced me around to a lot of people. Um, and then later we began um, meeting up weekly. He poured into me. He taught me what it meant to not just follow Jesus, but to follow him actively, um, to not be a complacent Christian, not to be complacent in my faith. And um, through the, and that, that's how long I've been at the View. I've been at the View since summer of 2018. So coming up on, is that four years? Yeah. Four years. Um, and
0: Serving faithfully. The
1: mm-hmm. View hasn't saved me. But the view has been one of the instruments that God has used to grow me and to push me to be to be the man I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, I fully believe I wouldn't be here if not for the way God has used men like Daniel Um, and a lot of the guys that came before before me in the view. I mean, we've got there's so many veterans that I can shout out names for, but a lot of those guys have been instrumental in my faith. So
0: praise the Lord. And one thing I know we don't have time to get into, but you were introverted and learned magic to become more extroverted. For the cause of the gospel. Now, we, we, I wish we could get into this tonight and launch our own illusionist set, but Tyler is an amazing magician. Do you have your cards tonight?
1: They're they uh, are in the back. They're in the back? In the back? Pocket. Yeah.
0: That's all right. Listen, what if I put you on the spot for a magic trick? You could do it, but I'm not going to do that. Listen, if you want to see Tyler do a magic trick, he's going to be around after. I got you. <laughs> Say less. <laughs> well, praise the Lord, Tyler. Kaylee Malone, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story.
2: So like Daniel said, my name's Kaylee. I am Officially, no longer in college, I graduate in 17 days. Who's counting, right? Hallelujah! Yeah. Come
0: on, come on!
2: Um, I graduate days. Um, in 17 days from Baptist Health Science University, and I majored in Diagnostic Medical Sonography, which is a big fancy way of saying ultrasound. A lot of people think I'm a nurse. I'm not. That's Aliana. You can go to her for all your medical needs. <laughs> That's right. Um, or Jordan. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> I didn't know you were a nurse. Okay. I'm learning things about you. <laughs> Jordan, well, Jordan, Jordan oh,
0: is uh, Well, Jordan's also director of rec ministry, so he can get you healthy. And then gym, working out now. <laughs> hey, yes.
2: look. Hey, what um, plan? Well, yes. So I um, decided that I wanted a relationship with the Lord, kind of similar to Tyler's story when I heard about, again, just heaven and hell for the first time mm-hmm. when I was at a Bellevue camp in fifth grade. And I decided that I want a relationship with the Lord. Don't think I really understood what that meant yet, Mm -hmm. Um, but so that's why the next few years of my life, I didn't live like a Christian is supposed to. I said that I was a Christian, but I didn't actively live that out, and that's not a good place to be in. Um, If that's where you're at, we should talk afterwards, (laughs) but um, yeah, so halfway through high school, I started really um, diving into a relationship with the Lord And I ended up in a really dark place in my life about the last year of high school, and I was battling a lot of anxiety and depression, kind of, again, similar to Tyler's story. Um, And I started living in sin, again, not a good place to be, and I became really distant from the Lord because of my sin, Um, and I was actively living in that, and so then about two years my second year in college the Lord was really convicting me over my sin and doing a lot um, in my heart over that and I finally came to a place of repentance and really just gave it all to the Lord I was so sick and tired mm. of it like when you just get a place where you're sick and tired of your sin that's where we should be at yeah, um, always right. we should always be there, but um, I finally had that time of repentance, and a few months later, a friend um, that was in my college class kept inviting me to The View every single week, <laughs> <laughs> and I kept saying no. I made excuses because I did not love social interaction. I did not love big groups like this. They made me anxious, and mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody, so that, you know, was even worse, but, and mm-hmm. it, here I am talking to all of you. So we see that the Lord really worked th- worked through that. But yeah, um, yeah. I ended up saying yes. I was like, you know, get, it, get over myself, you know. And so I ended up coming. And, again, the first person I met was Daniel. We talked about that the other I just, week. But, I don't know. I just— uh,
0: I'm like a weirdo. I'm watching for first time guests and I just rush he's like
2: He's like looking around the room like, Who, uh-huh. who's looking like they're lost right now? Let me go straight to them. But yeah, that's like how it was loser. for me. And um, I got plugged into the view. I got baptized finally on the right side of my salvation um, at the old building. I feel mm-hmm. old, old saying that, but. Three, four, um, seven, two.
0: plaza Deco Decode yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I got baptized there and then got plugged into discipleship because I was in a place where um, I knew that praying and getting in the word was important and vital in my faith. But Mm -hmm. to be honest, I didn't know how to do that. Um, I didn't know where to look. I was trying to do um, my faith on my own. And I realized that I needed help. And so I got plugged into a discipleship group with Hannah Harris. She's Mm -hmm. amazing.
1: Um, I'm sure all of
2: you know that. (laughs) But um, so through discipleship, she taught me, um, you know, how to pray and how to read the Bible, where to start, how to get a plan and have that discipline and scripture, memory, and many, many more things, um, but through, like Tyler said, the, the view did not save me, but man, it was just a humongous part of the Lord growing me, and through all of that, those past few years, the Lord really was stripping me down of things were that were not of Him and that were of this world, and mm. I'm just so thankful for discipleship and all of that. Um, yeah, so that's my testimony. Praise the
0: Lord, Kaylee. Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely.
3: <laughs> J-Bo, what about you? So my name is Jordan Bowman, if you guys don't know me. I work in the recreation ministry. Um, I just started back last year, actually. So it's been mm-hmm. about six months since I've been full-time. And I was an MA since 2019. Yeah. Um, my story is kind of a little bit different than their, th- those two stories in that um, I grew up in the military, or not. I wasn't in the military. My dad was. I <laughs> um, grew up a military brat. Man, they started you um, early. <laughs> I was like, and so, they knew this one was good. <laughs> grew up a military brat, um, moved around. I mean, you know, probably, honestly, I can't count in my head because there's so many states and places yeah. that I've lived, but I've lived in close to 10 to 12 states and one other country, uh, moving around each year. Um, literally every year, we would move to a different state. Mm-hmm. And so- you Lived uh, in Japan, right? You lived in, in Japan? Japan for mm-hmm. a year and a half in middle school. And so- Brooklyn? I had a, uh, blessed. I was blessed to be able to live in a lot of different places, see a lot of different things, and a lot, meet a lot of different people, And uh, but I grew up, my dad's a chaplain, so he's in the army, but he's a, what's called a chaplain, which basically means he's a pastor in the military, and so I grew up a pastor's kid, but also being in the military, so that was kind of a double whammy, but um, I also have a pretty big family, and so I have, you know, four other siblings, and then me, and then my parents, obviously, so seven, And so moving around, we moved around a lot, and really the only friends that I really had was my family, like because I was moving every single year. So it was like literally like starting (laughs) over each time I moved. Um, A lot of you guys in this room have probably you know grown up with the same people throughout your entire life. That wasn't me. You know I didn't have any friends in the sense of I didn't have that friend that I friends that I kept throughout those years. And so the reason I'm saying all that is because um, that was tough for me. That was part of what that was tough for me. I'll get into a little bit later, but. Um, for me, it was always a struggle of, oh, my dad's a pastor. Okay, I'm a Christian. I'm saved, right? I got baptized when I was in middle school, um, but I think it was one of those things where I always, you know, thought I was a Christian. I was doing the right things. I was doing all these good things. We always talk about doing good things. Um, I was walking it, but I wasn't living it out. Um, and so it was really the big change in my life was, obviously, I was baptized, but um, I would say, like Brother Steve always says, he doesn't know if he, if he was saved at one point or another, There are two points, for me it's the same way. I was baptized and I believed, but my life did not have a, I don't think it had a change. But when I get to heaven, hopefully I'll know. But the reason I say that, keep going to say that is that uh, my sophomore year we were living in New York, and um, Brooklyn, New York that is, and there's actually a military base there, it's really small, most people don't know that. Um, and I was going to school in New York, um, it's called Fort Hamilton High School, one of the biggest schools in the nation. and. Um, During that time, that year, my sophomore year in high school, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, which for me and my testimony, it was very tough for me because I wanted to go into the military, and Mm -hmm. that disqualified me from that. If most of you might not know the full details of what bipolar disorder is, but it's basically a uh, chemical imbalance in the brain that causes a lot of emotional issues and things like that. And so that was a big, big part of my life in the sense of that first time I was hospitalized, I... when I was in the hospital dealing with that and on medication and all this stuff, I came to that realization and I, you know, made that step. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, I'm baptized. Boom, my life's different. No, I got on my knees. I prayed to the Lord. I received him into my heart. And from there, my life looked completely different. Mm. And so that's not the end of my testimony. That was the start of it. And so from there, we moved again two more times, moved to Kansas from New York and then to Texas. And we're in Texas, That was the second time I was hospitalized. So in the span of three years, I was hospitalized twice for bipolar disorder. Um, And so that was very, very hard for me. Not only was I was dealing with that, but then also I was graduating high school and having to figure out what I wanted to do because I can't do what I thought I was going to do, right? And so from there, that's a lot, there's a lot more to that, but I'll say that was very tough and it was something that I had to, I struggled with. And so once I got to college, I came to college not knowing anybody uh, moved in with my grandparents, uh, going to the University of Memphis, and that's when I got plugged in at The View, meeting somebody like Daniel. Um, and so getting plugged in at The View and being involved at The View was great, and um, I'll talk more about that when I, you know, we talk about it, but uh, being involved at The View was something that was very important to me, something that uh, raised me up and grew me as a leader because like both of them said, I'm probably one of the most introverted people you have ever met. If You had known me five years ago or how, when I first came to Memphis. Um, nervous, anxious, all that stuff. And we're talking about anxious, that's crazy that we're talking about that because yeah, I was diagnosed with, that part of my bipolar disorder is diagnosed anxiety as well. And so, yeah, that's a big part of my testimony. That's kind of like a abbreviated version of it. But yeah, got plugged in at The View, working at Bellevue now, and so that's my testimony. Which is so cool because
0: hallelujah, yeah. <laughs> Because what's so cool with Jordan is with his story, it's really cool to see you up here tonight doing an interview like this because I remember when, and I know he won't mind me sharing this, when Jordan was first coming to our ministry, remember you would, you would come on the Wednesday night Bible study because it was a much smaller environment, but, but you wouldn't come on a Monday night because it was a little bit bigger and just seeing like you grow from that point to now being somebody who's up here sharing the wisdom of the Lord that you have with us is a really cool testament to how God can really raise somebody up. I mean, he it's really cool to see what he's done in y'all's lives. Tyler, I want to start with you. I've got a question for you that I think you're going to be able to really speak into. Now, in this series we talked about anxiety. Jordan just talked about it there. We talked about depression, we talked about many other struggles that not just college students face, especially college students, but that all of us face. So in your battle over the years with those two things, those three things, how did you cling to Jesus as your light in the midst of, a, of the darkness? Because that's an easy thing to say, but sometimes hard to live out. So what did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, so um, going back to kind of what I said a second ago, um, when, I, um, when you when you choose to follow Jesus, Jesus does not promise to just solve everything for you, right? You're gonna have struggles, you're gonna have battles. Uh, I mean, just for an example, like some people like, their family's issues don't just go away when they choose to follow Jesus. That's your right. friend issues don't just go away. <laughs> it, for me, my battle with depression just didn't end when I was like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm, I'm going your way. No, it, it was a continuous fight, yep. right? Um, and so when I, thought of, when I thought of this, for me, the, like a passage that exemplifies how you can cling to Jesus, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to 58.
0: Say that one more time before you read
1: it. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to 58. It says, "'Behold, I tell you a mystery. "'We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. "'In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, "'at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, "'and the dead will be raised, imperishable, "'and we will be changed.'" For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put, in, put on immortality, then it will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. See, again, what I said earlier, your, your issues with your family, your friends, your, your internal issues, they're, I, I get it, they're hard. I've been there and I'm still there. There are days that I wake up and I just, mm-hmm. I'm just not, not in it. I'm just like, not today. But the best way for me to cling to the light is, remi- is reminding myself of what Jesus did for me. Yeah, that's good. Because Jesus has delivered me from an enemy that I could never have defeated. Amen. Right, there are ways you can handle family issues. There are ways you can handle friend issues but you cannot handle your sin on your own. Yeah, right. The Bible's very clear that the wages of sin is death, right? You, mm-hmm. To handle your sin is to die mm-hmm. eternally, right? But Jesus, knowing that, stepped down, lived a perfect life and was like, you know what, I'll take that death. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I wake up and I'm, in a, and I'm in a, just in a rut and I'm like, not, not today, I remind myself, you know, Jesus probably had days where he wanted, where he wanted not to do it. Right, the gardener of Gethsemane. He said, "Lord, take this cup for me," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then he followed it up with, "But let your will be done." It's
0: good reference. It's good. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, we mm-hmm. we can, we can choose to to deal with those issues and to sit in those issues, or we can choose to live for Jesus, mm-hmm. who even who's obedient even to the point of death on a cross. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, when you say, "How how is Jesus the light in the darkness?" Jesus is the light in the darkness because every day that I wake up, I can remind myself Jesus died for me. Every day I can remind myself Jesus took a penalty that I deserved. Mm -hmm. So what is is depression when compared to my sin? Mm -hmm. What is depression when compared to eternal death? What is a friend issue when it's compared to a lifetime of separation, an eternity of separation from God? It's nothing. Mm -hmm. It's inconsequential. Mm -hmm. And so instead of worrying about those issues, Remind yourself of your Savior. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, then what's stopping you? That's right. Like, I've, I was in that moment where I had no hope. Jesus is there. He can be your hope.
0: Yeah, he
1: can. Not in, not in, not in this life, because he, he doesn't promise to deliver you from all these issues. But how much more hope is there because of your eternity? Amen. It really
0: does come down to a battle of the mind. I mean, you're talking about Waking up in the morning and focusing on the gospel. That we talk so much in the church about preaching and sharing the gospel with others, but we have to wake up every single day and share the gospel with ourselves. That's the only way. Our pastor here at the church has been preaching on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m., which I love waking up for so early. And he's been preaching, I love once I get here, it's hard waking up though. He's been preaching on get your mind right, get your life right. And college students, if I could encourage you with anything, Quite literally, with your worrying, with your anxiety, with your stress, it's going to come down to this. Are you willing to wake up in the morning and take the energy and the power that you have to focus your mind on the gospel? We know how to focus our mind on everything else in this world. We know how to focus our mind on sports. We know how to focus our mind on what people think of us. <laughs> Let's be real. We spend a lot, There's a lot of real estate in our minds over what people think of us and how they perceive us. But take what Tyler said, and what does it look like for you to wake up in the morning and focus your mind on Christ? It's pivotal. It's pivotal. And so Kaylee, let me switch to you for a few moments. We've been talking about anxiety, but we've also been talking about evangelism and sharing our faith. And that's something that a lot of us can be anxious about, worried about, fearful about. Like it, it can cause, like when we think about walking up to somebody in, in cookout and sharing Jesus with them and telling them that we're a believer, it can cause that worry and that anxiety and that fear to build up in us. So how would you encourage somebody who is afraid or nervous about the call of sharing the gospel?
2: First, I want to add to um, Mm kind of what Daniel and Tyler were saying. I love what Daniel said. You have to wake up and share the gospel with yourself. I love Daniel always tells us, you have to have a revival in your heart before you can have a revival in your circle of influence or in the city of Memphis or Mm -hmm. the United States. Like it has to start here. So just to I yeah. love what you say about that, and I just wanted to add that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, just my encouragement in um, evangelizing and just kind of, it can be really nerve-wracking. Let me encourage you in that you're not alone.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I can, I think, attest for most of us in this room that if you've been in a moment where you're having a gospel conversation or you're about to share the gospel or you want to and, and you're just so nervous, we've been there. And mm-hmm. it can be very um, nerve-wracking and and. and just bring you a lot of anxiety so it can make you uncomfortable but I have a little bit of scripture I want to share here it's in second Corinthians four one through six it says therefore since we have this ministry because we were shown mercy we do not give up Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God mm. for we are not pro- proclaiming ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake for God who said let the light let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ so going back to verse 3 and 4 when it says in this case the god of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers Um, Paul here is talking about the God of this age. He's talking, he's making a reference to Satan and like Satan being the God of this world. And um, if you're uncomfortable sharing the gospel, good. It means that you're doing something that the devil hates. He can't stand it. Um, He's going to do everything in his power to get into your mind and in your heart and Mm -hmm. take over Mm -hmm. and keep you from sharing it with that lost soul. Mm -hmm. And let that be your motivation, Mm-hmm. Um, to fight because at the end of the day, the light of the gospel that is Jesus Christ is more powerful than the devil if you choose to use it. Yeah. So don't let the devil win and keep you silent. Like cling to that and fight back with scripture because it's more powerful and you can have confidence in the scripture, in the light of the gospel because we already know that the battle is won and that um, that Jesus is more powerful. So cling mm-hmm. to that and be encouraged in that. You're not alone um, and we don't want the devil to win. Don't let him win, so um, mm-hmm. don't let him stop you.
0: That's good, Kaylee. You know, what I, what I found so fascinating in my studying in this series is how, how closely anxiety and busyness and stress affects our evangelism because so often when you are anxious over the wrong things you are never going to be concerned about the things of the Lord. So when you walk around and your worry and your stress and your anxiety is ruling your life, you are going to miss people all around you who need the gospel everywhere you go everywhere you go in the seasons of my life when I have found victory over my anxiety and my stress are the victory are the seasons of life where I found most victory in evangelism where I have seen myself be able to share the gospel everywhere I go. And so in this room, be honest, how many of you, when it comes to sharing Jesus with somebody, how many of you are willing to admit that that's something that makes you nervous? Right, like, look, man, listen, if I had a third arm, I'd throw it up in the air. Like, I get nervous every single time. Every single time I go out there to share the gospel, I get nervous. But just like Tyler Oliver said, what's more important, my nervousness over what somebody's gonna think about me because I'm a Christian or the fact that they might be on their way to hell? What's more important to you? Do you wanna be stressed and anxious over somebody knowing you are a believer, knowing that you're supposed to live different when their soul might be on the line? And so every single person in this room who has the spirit of God living in them, you have the power because of the Lord, watch this, to conquer your fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a a spirit of love, power, and self-control. You have the power to go and share with others the news that can take them from the broad road to hell and place them on the narrow path to heaven. If you are a believer, you have that power living inside of you, D. Isn't that amazing? You do. I do. And so everywhere you go, have your eyes open, which leads me into my next thing. This season of college is so short, is it not, Jordan? Jordan, did college not feel like it just flew by for you?
3: It flew by for sure.
0: It went by like that. And listen, there are students in the room here, and I'm very passionate about this because I got saved at 21, going into my, tw- going into my last year of college. I missed a lot of my opportunities to be a missionary in college because I was living for the world. I was lost. My testimony is very different from theirs. Y'all know it. I got saved at 21. I was living in sin, living in sin, proudfully, boastfully. And for years, I chased after the world. And a lot of my college was wasted, wasted, because I wasn't living as a missionary. I wasn't trying to share the gospel, and I wasn't trying to make disciples with anybody. And so, j for you, being out of college now, looking back, and those four years were so short, and there were people who you had opportunities to share the gospel with, people I had the opportunity to share the gospel with, that we probably missed because we were wrapped up in, in so many things around us. So I want you to give us some wisdom. I want you to speak to this. We've talked about how important this season of college is. What did the Lord teach you about your call as being a light in college uh, that has been able to apply to you today in your everyday life?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, the biggest thing that I would, or one of the biggest things that I would say, number one is you cannot live in the world. Um, yeah. I know that's like a very like, oh, you can't live in the world. We know that, but I'm serious. Like you cannot, um, especially coming into college, you come out of high school. Some of you guys might have grown up in the church. Some of you might not have. But what I'll say to that is you cannot live in the world in the sense of there's a lot of things in college that um, mm-hmm. are temptations for mm-hmm. college students, you know, drugs, parties, um, like, pretty much any sin you can think of, a lot of that is occurring in college, but it's amplified because everybody's, you know, wanting to have fun and things like that. And I'm not saying no, have fun in college. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is don't sit on the fence. That's the ultimate thing I'm trying to say. No, that's right. Um, It's really easy to say, oh, you know, I'm going to do the right thing, but you must not sit on the fence. You have to choose one side. You can't choose the world and then go to church on Sunday and then throughout the rest of the week, you know, not doing the right thing. Jesus says,
0: if you love me, you obey my commands. That's right. Mm-hmm.
3: And so, like I said, don't sit on the fence. Um, I want to encourage, you know, each and every one of you. That is something that, and the reason I say that is that's something that I struggle with. It was, you know, very easy to say, you know, feel like I was doing the right thing. and feel like I was, you know, worshiping the Lord and doing, doing all these things. And like I said, doing all these good things. We always talk about works. Like, works are great, but at the same time, if you don't have faith, if you're not trusting the Lord, it's dead. It's nothing. And so mm. building upon that, I want to say, too, on top of that, don't sit on the fence um, and maximize your college experience by uh, choosing the Lord. But also I encourage you guys to also uh, have community with other believers. Yeah, um, that's important. Because that, I mean, having community with other believers, it builds you up, it allows you to, to you have accountability. And you guys know this, uh, you know, with your discipleship groups and things like that. It builds you up. It makes you a better believer. It draws you closer to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a testimony to that because I had the, I was blessed to be able to um, see three different pastors of the view. The first one being Montana Jones, which is Rick Jones' uh, son. The second being Adam French, and the third being Daniel. And so, um, being able to see that. And also see the different things that have happened throughout those eras is very cool, just because mm-hmm. number one we have a lot of we had a lot of things that we changed and did differently, but there was always that community there was always um, discipleship um, and one of the first things that we did was um family groups or actually it might have been what started with Adam but yeah um, family groups was something that was very uh near and dear to my heart because I had you know grown up in the church and all that stuff, but I had never really done any you know serious like real discipleship and real like Bible studies and things like that I mean I did you know in high school and middle school, but I didn't see the true meaning behind it. And actually the leader of my family group was Caleb Saunders. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our group was pretty small, but we did a lot of things that um, build us up. You know, we did scripture memory. We, you know, talked about our struggles. Uh, we went through scripture together. And that seems, you know, oh, that's, you know, we're just doing that on a Wednesday night. But that really, really, really helps you in the sense of it pulls you away from what's going on outside of that, which is sin. Um, mm-hmm. And so... The last thing I'll say is that you have the opportunity to meet and share the gospel with people within your college campus radius. Let's say it's a three-mile radius. There are so many people there that live in different states, from mm-hmm. other nations, yep. from yep. different walks of life. There are so many people that you meet in college in those four years. You'll probably meet more people in college and see more people in college and have the opportunity to, to share the gospel with, have, make friends with more people than that you meet in college and you'll probably ever meet if you stay in Memphis or even if you move yeah. in your entire life. yeah. Um, and so don't waste that. You know, uh, there's a lot of people out there that don't know the Lord. And I would be remiss to ever say, like, I, I feel terrible that I, you know, I've had conversations with people where I could have easily said, hey, what, you know, what's your walk like? You know, you know, what do you believe? And I didn't. Don't miss that opportunity. It's yeah. important. And it's not just something that we, you know, take, we don't want to take that lightly because like they were saying, you know, a, a soul is, is, you know, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. And not to say that I'm gonna be the one controlling whether or not that person goes to heaven or hell, but the Lord uses us. And if we ignore that voice from the Lord, we're wasting what the Lord has given us. And so I wanna encourage you guys, college is important, but also more importantly, the Lord is important and um, your walk with him is the most important of all, so.
0: Man, that's such good insight, Jordan. I'll tell you, I don't want to make you mad at me, but I've been doing college ministry for six years Being a former college student myself, actually a current college student because I'm doing my master's work, we are very good at making excuses to get out of God's commandments on our lives. Very good. And one of the examples I'll give you is there's a lot of college students who don't view themselves as missionaries for Christ because they take online classes. We have come to a point where online classes are almost like have become an excuse to, oh, all well, my classes are online, so I don't see anybody, so I don't share the gospel. And let me tell you something, students. If you cannot find ways to share the gospel in your life just because you have online classes, you have bigger problems to figure out than that. Much bigger problems. We make excuses all the time as to why we can't do what God has called us to do. But I watch college students I was a college student. I know how many people are inside Huey's. The workers know me by name and I get convicted every time when I think about how many opportunities I have not taken to share the gospel with them. Your workplace, your coworkers, the people you come in contact with every day, you have so many opportunities to tell them about Jesus. What's stopping you? What is it that stops you? And then ask yourself, Are you going to remain chained to that stronghold? Because once you get out there and start sharing Jesus with people, your life will take off. But until you have a desire to care about where somebody spends eternity, you'll never find yourself sharing the gospel. It's the same boat I was in as a college student. And, man, I'll tell you, Jordan brought up community, and I want to hone in on that for a moment when it comes to being a light. Man, if you're trying to be a light and all your friends are not shining, it's going to be very hard for you to shine. It's going to be very hard for you to shine. And we all know, me and Jordan, when we were in college, man, we had a lot of people come to The View who were like on fire for Jesus and being a light, man, like living crazy for the Lord. And then there were a lot of people who went through the motions with it and knew exactly what to say to check off all the right answers, check off the right boxes. But deep down, there was a whole lot of apathy. And there was a whole lot of, hey, I'm not really living for Jesus. I'm not really living this thing out. Man, let me tell you, who you surround yourself with is pivotal. If we've said it once, we said it before, show me your friends and I'll show you you in 10 years. Show me your friends and I'll show you who you'll be in 10 years. So take a moment and think about your community. Are you surrounded by like good friends or are you surrounded by godly friends? Are you surrounded by people who ask you about your Bible reading? Like, does anybody in your life, your friends, do they ever ask you, hey, what's God teaching you in scripture? If, if not, man, do they care? Let's turn it for a moment. For you, if you are claiming to live for Jesus, do, and this is a hard question, i ask it for myself, do you and I ever ask our loved ones what they're learning in God's word? Do these things come up in our conversations? Like, do we ever, I'm sorry, I can't stay in this chair for too long. <sighs> it's been painful sitting in that chair. I think one of the reasons why we have so many college students living in apathy is because we don't just need to get God back in the church. We need to get God back in our conversations. We have too many friend groups that never talk about the Lord. I've been a part of too many friend groups where I never talked about the Lord. Too many of us are okay with just talking about fantasy basketball all the time. Too many of us are content with just talking about people and gossiping. Too many of us are too concerned with talking about work and school and how tired we are and homework and all these things we got. Man, I know y'all can talk. I listen to you. But we don't have God in our conversations with believers. And until we get God back in our conversations, we're not going to have God in our community. And until we have God, the Spirit of God moving in our community here at The View, when are we going to see the Lord start moving out there in the world? So let me tell you something. Get God in your conversations. Say, Daniel, I don't know who my friend group is gonna start it off. How about you? How about you? Because, man, I know I'm touching a nerve right now. I know some people are unhappy, and that's okay. Listen, if you and your friends do not talk about the things of the Lord, are you and your friends really living for the things of the Lord? And that's a hard thing I ask myself. Let me sit back down, because I'm getting off track. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) But speaking of that, I want to turn to you, Tio. Apathy. You've seen it. You've been a part of it. I have. We've seen believers who think it's a religion just go through the motions. Big cause of why we're so anxious and worried all the time is because we're not really connected to our personal creator the way we need to be. So let me, let me see. I don't want to mess this question up because it's good. We talked a few weeks ago, Tio about Stephen dying for the gospel, right? Let's take the series and bring it back up. Stephen was stoned for the gospel. I mean, he died for his faith. And that's a kind of fire we want to see in our lives. So why do you think so many of us struggle with apathy in our Christian lives? Why is that such a big stronghold for so many of us?
1: Yeah, I think the answer is an easy answer, but it's hard practically, right? Um, To me, the answer to that is comfort. Mm. Right. We value, especially here in America, we value our comfort. Yep. I mean, we, we use Amazon because they deliver it to our door. We don't have to actually go to the store. It's just nice and convenient, nice and comfortable, right? Um, yep. And clip. you bring up Stephen, but his story is one that we, we really can't comprehend. Um, he stood, he was, sta- he was just telling the people what he believed and he was stoned for it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, that's not a unique case. That's not a very, like, it's, it happens often. Even today, there are people all across the world that f- that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the privilege of spending a summer in the Middle East um, last year. Yeah. And one of the guys I met, um, I'm not going to say his name, but he was, from, he was from another country. He's from Nepal. And uh, I was just getting to know him. And he was like, yeah, I actually can't go home. And I was like, what do, what do you mean you can't go home? He's like, well, my dad's an imam. Uh, it's a p- pastor in Islam. And he said, yeah, so when I converted to Christianity, my father put out a bounty on my head if I go home to visit my mother, I will be killed. Mm. And I'm like, I didn't know what to say to the man. I'm like, I I normally just pray for to do good on tests and stuff like that. And this man's over here praying for to see his mother again. And I'm like, ow, okay. Um, yeah, so, wow. and I'm not trying to tell you guys that story to make you question, like, I mean, obviously it's just a different culture, a different context. The point I bring that up is, for them, when they for for this guy, when he decided to make the decision to follow Christ, he knew what he was signing up for.
0: Yeah, wow. he
1: wasn't signing up for some Sunday morning church service. He was signing up for a life where he lost all of his family members. Where anytime he goes back home, he faces death. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Jesus is worth that."
0: Yeah,
1: wow. We don't get that. Mm-hmm. Too many times, I did this. I made the decision to follow Jesus because it was comfortable. Mm-hmm. It made sense. I didn't under, I never went into it with the mentality of man. This could cost me my life. It's countercultural. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and so, uh, in my opinion, we need to learn what Jesus is calling us to before we decide to accept the call.
0: Yeah.
1: And the reason I say that is Scripture is pretty clear on what it means to follow Jesus, right? Luke chapter fourteen, starting in verse, um, starting in verses twenty-five.
0: Say that reference one more time.
1: Luke, 15, sorry, fourteen, starting in twenty-five. Right. This is right after Jesus has been. He just healed on the Sabbath. He just told some people a parable, and it says that now large crowds were going, or going along with him, and he turned and said to them, "If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Mm. Mm. Whoever does not carry his own cross." Or else, while the other one is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. And see, the the reality is, martyrdom is not the call for every one of us, right? I mean, most of us in this room, probably none of us in this room will ever taste martyrdom. Mm -hmm. But are you willing to? Mm -hmm. Is that something that you're comfortable doing? Is Jesus worth that to you? I had to ask myself that question when I sat in front of that guy because he had already made that decision. He knew that if faced with it, death was okay. He made the decision on the front end. We don't. Hmm. And I know, you're, I know you're thinking like, Tyler, that's a lot to ask. And it is. But Matthew 13, verse 44 says, the kingdom, is, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. Um, I heard someone say recently, he was talking about this verse, and he, he was like, can you imagine what that would look like today, right? Imagine, like Daniel, Daniel goes home, he tells Hannah, hey, um, I'm going to sell the cars. Uh, I'm going to sell, I'm, gonna, I'm we're moving out of the apartment. Um, anything else we own, sorry, we're selling it. She's like, why? He's like, I'm going to go buy that field. <laughs> Jesus look at him, why are you buying a field for? Are you gonna be a farmer?
0: That, <laughs> that was like, Jacob Simmons. I was Jacob Simmons. That was Jacob Simmons.
1: But um, again, what is Jesus worth to you? That's good. Yeah. What is the value of that? Is, it, is he worth giving up everything you own? Right, for me practically, yeah. I wanted to be a computer engineer. I wanted to go and design video games. I wanted to, do, I wanted to make money. I yeah. wanted to, because my family grew up poor. We didn't have anything. So, I saw school um, as my way out. I was like, I can get a big ticket job. Yep. I can live in a nice house and I'll never want for money again. Mm. I decided to follow Jesus. And after that, Jesus said, am I worth giving that up? Mm. And I had, to, I had to battle that. Daniel was there for a lot of it. I had to wrestle with, was my selfish ambition worth giving up? Or was it worth giving up for Christ? <sighs> Thankfully, I ended up saying yes, but I should have been ready to do that on the front end. And so I ask you this. I know many of us already follow Jesus. Have you asked yourself what Jesus is worth yet? Have you counted the cost? It's so
0: good.
1: Because in my opinion, apathy is when you haven't counted that cost yet, and you make the decision that Jesus isn't worth it. Mm. When you wake up in the morning, you think, eh, not today. Mm. Because ultimately here in America, we believe Jesus, we don't believe Jesus be worth everything. Not, as, not on a widespread scale. We believe Jesus is worth Sunday's. That's why people go to church on Sundays. They they bring their Bible, then they go home, they put it on a shelf, and they never touch it, mm-hmm. because that's their time. Jesus isn't worth their time. He's got he's got his time on Sundays.
0: And some of us watched watch that growing up, and
1: mm-hmm. we think
0: that's what the Christian life is. And it's not to hate on anybody's parents or anything like that, but that's just for some of us in this room. If we're honest. That's all we know.
1: Yeah, and I know and anyone in here who who hasn't made the decision to follow Jesus. I know you're probably listening, and you're like, man, I don't I don't want to sign up for that. But think about. Again, what Jesus has done, mm-hmm. right? We deserve nothing. All we do is sin and fall short. That's mm-hmm. it. That's, that's, what, that's what we do every single day. I mean, yeah. what do we deserve because of that, right? We deserve death. We deserve eternal punishment. But Jesus has spared us that. Yeah. The reason that this man was willing to sell everything for the field was because the treasure buried there was worth everything he owned. The gospel is worth it. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. And, if you, and if, you, if you really want to know more about that, come talk to any of us. Dakota, always, Dakota said it last week um, that he's never met anyone who's regretted making that decision.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That man that, that would die anytime he went home, I guarantee you he would say the same thing. Jesus is worth it every time. Stephen said the same thing. Stephen didn't renounce his faith. He, he died an honorable death because he knew at the end of the day, Jesus was worth it.
0: I'm very excited for the next three weeks at The View, and it's crazy you say that because the next three weeks at The View, obviously tonight we're ending our series, but the next three weeks are, are gonna be on discipleship. And the first one of the sermon next Monday is gonna be on counting the cost. And we're gonna look at the life of Peter for three weeks. And I'm very excited because discipleship is a personal relationship with the Lord first, Like he is discipling you, he is sanctifying you, you are walking with him. But even greater than that, you have people who come alongside you and help you get out of apathy, help you conquer anxiety, and help you learn how to share your faith. So a small plug for the next three weeks coming off of your answer. Discipleship for the next three weeks. I'm very, very excited about it. Hey, I've got one question left for you two down there. As we end this series on I Am the Light, because to you, I thought that that was fantastic. The Lord spoke to you so clearly on that. As we end this series, I am the light, we talk about being a light of the world. Kaylee, you're graduating. Jordan, you're graduated. It's a simple question. It's easy. It encompasses all we've talked about tonight, and it encompasses all we've talked about in this series. Kaylee, let me ask you first. How do you not waste college?
2: I personally love this question because the Lord worked on my heart throughout college with this question, actually, Um, being, you know, in a healthcare profession degree, you don't have a lot of time. Um, (laughs) You have, I mean, and I know a lot of y'all can relate to busy schedules of college, and that's another excuse, like you were talking about, Mm -hmm. that we use a lot, is just that we're so busy. and. When you're, you know, in a healthcare degree, you're in the hospital and clinic three to four days a week. And then the days that you're not, you're in class and lab. So there's not much room for anything else. Um, And this is something that I struggled with Um, probably about halfway through college. I was at a breaking point where I just didn't have anything left in me. And I was like, Lord, like I'm living for you. I'm going to the view and I'm doing all these things. Like, why am I so tired all the time? And why am I breaking? And, Mm. And the Lord very clearly told me, well, Kaylee, you are trying to control your schedule and you're not giving it to me to control.
0: Mm, And
2: I think the biggest piece of advice that I could give you is to put the Lord first, put God first in everything. And that's not even just in college, that's in everything in life. He has to be your foundation. Um, and I think for me, like, I had to say, like, Lord, like, I have to put you first. Like, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do this week, not what do I want to do this week. And that's another big thing that the Lord just broke me of, being a very um, selfish and prideful person. The Lord, you know, through the view and just through... His scripture and, and the word told me, Kaylee, it's not about you. Uh, that is something that the Lord has just, is still working on my heart to this day, is it's not about you. You have to make it about Jesus Christ in every area of your life, not just college. Yeah. Um, I think something that Daniel, one of our, one of my first view um, services, Daniel used this illustration, and I have remembered it to this day, and I'm probably going to mess it up, because it was like, what, three years ago now, but Mm. he had this big, ginormous cardboard box, and it (laughs) said, it was like, your relationship with the Lord, and then he had all these small boxes that had um, school and job and career, relationships, family. And he took the big box and tried to put it inside the little boxes. (laughs) And we see that that obviously does not work. You cannot cram a big ginormous box into little boxes. And then he took those little boxes and put them into the big box and they fit so beautifully. And I think the way that we can apply that to our lives is that We cannot cram our relationship with the Lord just into school and into our friendships, into all those different things that I mentioned. No, like we have to put those things into our relationship with the Lord. Like that relationship has to be the foundation and everything else comes after that. Let everything else be an outflow of your personal relationship with the Lord. Um, And I just, I've Mm. used that illustration since he told it in college because it really just it affected me. It hit me. In, you have boxes in
0: everywhere box. in your home, don't you? In case you need to do <laughs> yeah, that. When I go home, I'm just, point. That's awesome. you know, <laughs> boxes,
2: it's fine. Um, and um, another big part of that is like discipleship. Mm-hmm. Something that Hannah um, told me in discipleship was you're always going to have an excuse not to be in a discipleship group. And yeah. if you're busy, I promise you, your life is only going to get busier. Like, once you get out of college, you work a full-time job, and then once you work a full-time job, you probably might get married, and then you're going to have kids, and you're really not going to have time. So, like, stop letting that be an excuse. If you have not been in discipleship, let me encourage you that it has changed my life. The Lord has used it to change my life, Um, and if We've been talking about discipleship and you don't know what that means or it's confusing to you. Like, please come ask me, ask one Mm -hmm. of these people up here, ask one of our leaders what that looks like. If you're interested, we would love to talk to you about that. So, um, yes, it's not about you and make the Lord your foundation.
0: (laughs) Amen. Uh, One way I heard it is God cannot just be a part of your schedule. He has to be the author of your schedule. If he's just a slice of the pie, you're missing it but he has to be over it. That's so good, Kaylee. J-Bo, I want you to close us. Being out of college, looking back on it, man, looking back on the journey, being a part of the view. How do you not waste college?
3: Well, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm gonna keep beating it. Um, (laughs) Like I said earlier, live in the world, not of the world. Um, Say that one more time, that's good. Live in the world, not of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that you just got to, it's really easy to say, you know, we're going to do the right thing and all that stuff, like I said. But I want to encourage you guys. It's very important. And so I really like the question that Tyler asked, which was, um, uh, what is the cost of the Lord to you? It's really easy right now to say, oh, we're going to follow the Lord, right? Um, but there's a time coming where there will be persecution and there will be troubling times and there will be hard times. Because we have not, in the United States, we have not lived in any troubling times. I'll tell you that right now. When have we ever been invaded in the U.S.? Never. There's, you got Ukraine, you got all that stuff going on. That's you know that's you have people that are suffering. You have people in China that are being killed for their faith. And so, when I said don't sit on the fence, I mean that in the sense of obviously don't sit on the fence right now, but you really don't want to be sitting on the fence when that kind of stuff comes comes around. Yeah. Um, it really will. You know, once that kind of stuff happens, it'll like the Bible talks about. It separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, The wheat is the good stuff and the chaff is the bad stuff. And so um, how much does what does the Lord truly mean to you guys? I want you to just keep that in your head like Tyler said. I just want to reiterate that because that's just such a good question because it's really easy to say we love the Lord and we trust the Lord when times are easy and when there's not any struggle. But when that struggle comes, are you really trusting the Lord? Um, And so I want to, there's a verse that I want you all to kind of, meditate on and think about, which is Acts 20, 24, and it says, however I consider my life worth nothing to me, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Amen. And so, college is great, college is a fun time, college, you know, you get to learn all kinds of things, you know, get a degree, you know, meet new people, maybe meet a husband or wife or whatever, um, but I really wanna put hone in on the school part of it. Um, your GPA, that doesn't matter. When you graduate college and you get your degree, nobody cares that you had a 4.0. Nobody cares if you had a 3.0. And I'm a testament to that because I'll shortly tell it, but basically, I started out in college with a 3.0, first two years, 3.0 easy. And then, you know, junior year rolled around, I dropped the ball. And I'll be honest with y'all, there was a semester I failed every single class, every single one of them. Not because I couldn't do it, not because I just didn't feel like I just had, you know, a bad semester. Mm. Um, I was actually put on academic probation. If I failed one more semester or failed one more class, I would be basically kicked out of the you know school. And um, the Lord redeemed that in the sense of, he brought me out of that in the sense of, I was able to pull my GPA up back to, I want to say like a 2.75, but I graduated with 2.75. And I say that to say, here I am today with a full-time job. I literally got a full-time job, not even a month after I graduated. I had two other job offers and I'm not bra- like this is not me bragging, Praise I'm just Lord. telling you. Praise the Lord. Your GPA doesn't matter. Um, School is important, but at the same time, let's not put too much emphasis on education and school, which is very important. I don't want to, like, I don't want to minimize that. Mm -hmm. But what's more important is your walk with the Lord and and sharing the gospel and um, showing other other people uh, the gospel. Um, Mm. Because, like I said earlier, how many people do you see on your campus that you see them walk by you or you see them sitting in the UC or whatever, you know, uh, lunch area or whatever you see on, on campus and you don't say a word to them or you have a conversation mm. with them and it's all fluff. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite basketball team? Not like that. <laughs> all that's fluff. We want to really like our, like have real conversations is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yes, um, And so, like I said, let me read that verse one more time because I really love it. That was actually one of the verses that me and Caleb and Carson Um, That was our D group. That was one of the verses that we memorized. I had to brush up on it a little bit because I hadn't read in a while. But it's let me read one more time. Acts 20:24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task Lord Jesus has given me—the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Hmm. And so, the last thing I want to say, which I'm very passionate about, I didn't when I first came to college. It was something that I kind of just like, oh, okay, whatever. Or not whatever, but it wasn't as important to me. But as I grew up in college and went through a lot of different things, it has become something that I'm very strongly, I feel very strongly about. And this is something that Daniel has done a very, very good job of doing. And that is uh, diversifying the view. But for y'all, I want to challenge y'all to diversify your circle. How easy is it for you to say, oh, you know, I'm going to hang out with this person because they look like me. Their skin color looks like me. Or, oh, this person's a lot like me. Let me hang out with them. Mm -hmm. There are people in this room that have probably never uh, had somebody had a conversation? They probably gone sat in the sat in the in the, one of those chairs, sat in the view. Nobody said a word to him, and they walked out thinking nobody wants to be my friend. Nobody wants to talk to me. Mm. I was that person. Mm. Freshman year of college, I had zero friends. I moved here knowing only my grandparents. And Daniel came alongside me and became my friend because he invited me to the view because he uh, brought that community for me. Don't let somebody walk in here and leave without ever meeting somebody or meeting somebody that's a being a friend to them or being a, uh, another believer that builds them up. We don't want to do that. And, um, don't just don't, don't do that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I don't want to be like rude or anything. I'm just saying like, it's very like, okay, here's another example. Uh, when we're, you know, a lot of you guys go to University of Memphis. I don't know how true this is still, but when I, Caleb knows a lot of guys that went to Memphis with me, when you walk into UC, what do you see? You got a table where there's a lot of African-American people, right? And then you got another table where there's a lot of frat people or white yeah. people or whatever. Then you got another table with the goth people or whatever. Just like <laughs> high school, right? Is that, is that so true? Probably. I would assume so. That's not, that's, not, that's not the church. That's not the Lord. That's not of the Lord. Yeah, um, sure. mm. I want to encourage you guys. Differ, diversify your circle. Bring people in because um, racism... It's something that's very, 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 very um, near and dear, not dear and dear in my heart, but it, it breaks me down and hurt, makes me want to cry because it's like yeah. there's a lot of people here that are struggling with that, and they come here thinking, oh, I'm going to be loved, and they're not. Yeah. They're yeah. not. So I just want to encourage you guys. That, that's the thing I want you to remember. The three things are, I'll re- kind of reiter- reiter- reiterate them. Live in the world, not of the world. Remember the words of Acts 20:24, 20, and diversify your circle and community.
0: Hallelujah. Can we make some noise for these three? Amen. If I could give you a list, all three of these were discipled. Have you been? All three of these came to campus ministry. Have you? All three of these are living as missionaries in the next season. Are you living as a missionary now? That will determine if you're going to live as a missionary in the next. Guys, we love you. We're so grateful that you are part of our View family, obviously, always. And I want to thank you guys so much. Can you help me thank them one more time for today? <laughs>